Hi, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast. In less than a week, thousands of librarians will ascend upon our nation's capital for the American Library Association's 2019 Annual Conference and Exhibition. Runs June 20th through June 25th in Washington, D.C. Now, for those not in the know, it's six days of panels, forums, and workshops led by the library world's finest. A host of speakers ranging from Sonia Sotomayor to George Takai. An exhibit hall packed with publisher and tech vendors. And of course, we can't forget the live taping of this very podcast happening on Saturday, June 22nd. You'll hear more about that later. But what to do when the convention center doors close each evening? When the after-hours receptions and networking events have all wrapped up? What to do in D.C.? Dewey Decibel has you covered. Today, on the Dewey Decibel Podcast, we present an insider's guide on what to do in Washington, D.C. First, American Library's Managing Editor Tara Dinkowski speaks with Meredith Pratt. She's the author of Frommer's Easy Guide to Washington, D.C. 2020, to get some recommendations on where to dine in the district. Next, I speak with Maggie Gilmore and Bobby Doherty from Washington, D.C. Public Library about the library's D.C. Punk Archive and to get their picks for the best live music happenings during annual. But first, a word from a sponsor. Will you be in D.C. at the 2019 ALA Annual Conference Exhibition? Then join us for a live taping of the Dewey Decimal Podcast on Saturday, June 22nd at 9 a.m. in the Exhibit Hall. I'll be speaking with authors Jacqueline Woodson, Jason Reynolds, and Angie Thomas, and illustrators Akua Holmes and Christopher Myers about the Coretta Scott Keene Book Awards, which celebrates its 50th anniversary this year. You do not want to miss this. This is going to be awesome, folks. Again, that's a Dewey Decimal live taping Saturday, June 22nd at the ALA Annual Conference in D.C. Be there. If you're like me, you take full advantage of your free time during ALA conferences, especially when it comes to food. Luckily, D.C. has become quite the culinary hotspot over the past few years, according to Meredith Pratt. She's the author of Frommer's Easy Guide to Washington, D.C. 2020. And she also wrote an excellent D.C. dining guide for our latest issue. American Library's managing editor Tara Dinkowski spoke with Pratt recently to get her recommendations on where to dine during annual in D.C. Um, so your guide highlights quite a few restaurants near the uh, Walter E. Washington Convention Center. Um, I was wondering, what are some of your favorites in that area? Uh, there really are so many. Um, the Convention Center is a pretty uh, well-populated restaurant area, um, so you step outside, you really can't go wrong. Um, a few of my favorites, though, are Kinship and Unconventional Diners. They are literally uh, right across the street from the Convention Center, um, or Unconventional Diners right next door. Um, both are, you know, run by uh, famed chefs. Um, Kinship is Eric Siebold. Um He was the chef of another famed restaurant called City, City Zen, um, which has uh, since closed, but he recently opened this. Uh, with his wife. They are just um, making it uh, a huge hit. Um, it's a it's a lounge and a bar and sort of a minimal, minimalist dining room. Um, so you walk in and it's, it's a very comfortable place um, and the menu is just out of this world. Um, in the summertime, their rockfish is 
highly recommend it. Um, and then Unconventional Diner is another one that's really great, uh, run by another husband and wife. Um, and David Deshay is the chef, and he was a mentor of Chef Michelle Rochard, who has since passed um, away, but he was kind of a famed French chef in D.C. Um, and at Unconventional Diner, Deshay is kind of doing comfort food with a twist, um, so it's, you can find, um, he calls it not your grandma's meatloaf, um, and then my favorite, Smith Island carrot cake. Um, so those are all of the really good ones. And then if you just go a little bit east of the convention center, you'll find um, Lagden Alley. And along there is Tiger Fork and the Dabney. And both of them are just such fun um, restaurants to go out in. Um, you really can't go wrong. Yeah. And so you mentioned um, you mentioned some famous chefs. Chefs, um, you also highlight a fair amount of kind of celebrity chefs um, in this dining guide. They started their restaurants in D.C. or they've opened outposts there. Um, who, whose restaurants, I guess, would you say are the real deal? Um, because it seems like D.C. has a lot of big name chefs. There really are. Um, I would have to say that Jose Andres is probably the most uh, well-known chef, and he started here in D.C with his restaurant, Haleo, um, 26 years ago. Um, it's still one of the most popular restaurants in the D.C. area and has several locations now. Um, but he has more than, I think, 10 to 13 restaurants in the D.C. area. Um, so Oyamel, Haleo, and Zatina are uh, some of my top picks. And um, he's, he's serving up the real deal. He's got um, amazing Spanish tapas. Um, at Haleo and Oyamel, and Zatinia is more of a Mediterranean tapas um, restaurant, but it's it's amazing. That sounds delicious. Um, so, what are what are your uh, favorite places for a quick, cheap bite? I would say, like anywhere in the city. Um, so, I would have to go with Taco Bamba. Um, it's it's pretty uh it's a fun place to go to it's really casual you can just walk in there um it's sort of like a uh gourmet mexican um burritos place but you can um but it's it's really really good food um so victor albiso uh opened this um in 2018 and he um it's sort of a popular like street food style um, so you can go in and if you've ever been to Chipotle you can kind of you know what it'll be like you can kind of pick your ingredients um, but um, it's a great it actually has the real uh, flavors of Mexico like the Yucatan and Oaxa um, with a pickled beet mole it's just it's divine and uh, your guide mentions some uh, some truly impressive uh, French, Italian, eclectic farm-to-table restaurants. So where would you go for something a little fancier, a little bit more sit-down, and or maybe like a coursed-out uh, meal? Um, I would have to say Le Diplomat. Um, it's really, it's not super fancy, um, but it is kind of very uh, French. It's got the doilies on the tables and, um, you know, the very uh, French close tables, um, but it's it's loud and it's fun, um, but it will you will be there for a while eating. Um, but it's not a it's not a bad place to be there for a while eating. Um, so it's kind of like they have all of the main um, 
French foods there, like escargot, onion soup, um, baguette, and the cheese is amazing. Um, I, if you do go there, I would recommend sitting outside if you can, because it's just really fun to get that true Parisian experience. In your guide, um, you write that no D.C. restaurant has as much uh, historic cachet as Ben's uh, Chili Bowl. What makes this place so special? Um, it's it's really because it's been around for as long as it has. In August of this year, it'll turn 61. Um, so it's seen a lot. Uh, it first opened in 1958, and the same family to this day still owns it. Um, and still makes the same chili to its original secret recipe. Um, and then in 1968, it was the only place that stayed open um, when, uh, after, sorry, following Martin Luther King's assassination, um, when 14th Street and the U Street corridor were the scene of lots of rioting and um, just kind of general violence. <laughs> Um, and the whole area kind of burned to the ground. Um, but Ben's Chili Bowl stayed open. It's one of the few places that did. Um, and today it's still standing. Um, the counter, the booths, the stools are all original. Um, and so many presidents uh, and famous um, celebrities have come and visited it as well. So it's really one of those places that if you go there, you'll be kind of visiting a, a D.C. landmark. That's amazing. Uh, your guide also features a few places where you can order cocktails and probably inevitably run into lawmakers <laughs> and lobbyists. Um, what do you What do you recommend for someone looking for a, a stiff drink, you know, paired with some Capitol Hill gossip? Um, well, there's two hotel there's two hotel bars that are actually really great. Um, there's the Round Robin Bar, which is in the Willard, um, and then there's the Off the Record Bar, which is in the Hay Adams. Um, both of the bartenders have been there for a long time. They've seen it all. They've heard it all. Um, so it's really fun to grab a stool there and just chat with them, um, have a drink, hear what stories are on, going on. Um, a lot of uh, kind of D.C. Uh, C and D.C. people are there on a frequent basis. Um, so I would definitely recommend those. And then just by proximity to the Capitol, um, Capitol Grill Lounge and Charlie Palmer Steak, you'll probably uh, see some senators, maybe some diplomats. Um, every Anytime you go there, there's somebody from the Hill. That's got to be kind of cool, <laughs> Spy, <Yeah. laughs> spying on our public servants. Yeah, it's a um, pretty great thing. And you, you listen, you you do overhear a few things every now and then. It's pretty amazing. And the bartenders know quite a few stories. I bet, yeah. So, Meredith, um, any hidden gems or places maybe a little bit further away from the convention center or downtown that you'd recommend for someone who maybe has a little more time in the city or a little more time in the evenings to kind of get out and see more? Um, if you go uh, just a little bit west of the convention center, you'll hit Georgetown. Um, that's just a fabulous place to walk around. Um, that's where all of the shops, and there's so many restaurants over there um, as well. So it's it's a great neighborhood to see. Um, not much has changed in Georgetown since it was first built in the 1700s, so there's lots of still cobblestone streets. Um, and 19th century townhouses. Um, it's just a really fun place to be. Um, another neighborhood that I would really highly recommend is the Wharf. Um, it's really only opened in the last couple of years, 
Um, but it's right on the southwest waterfront, so you'll be on the water, um, which is really fun to uh, see all the boats going by and the planes taking off at uh, Ronald Reagan National Airport. Um, and there are some really great restaurants down there, uh, like Kiss and Kin um, by Kwame Onwachi. Sorry, let me say that one more time. <laughs> Kwame Onwachi. Um, he recently opened Keith and Kin, and um, it's sort of a take on American plus African. It kind of um, it, it brings together all of his uh, foods and cuisines that he has uh, learned over the years, plus some of his uh, background and his um, and his family heritage. And then uh, Del Mar, which is another um, fabulous seafood restaurant by Fabio Trabuchi. Um, he, Fabio and his wife own um, Fiola and Fiola Mar also, um, which are around the city. And then you can't go wrong with any of the fish stands that are in the wharf if you just walk up. It's one of the oldest fish markets in the country. Um, and it's amazing just to walk up, get some shrimp or crab, um, and stroll along the wharf uh, waterfront. That all sounds so great and so fun, and I wish I had more time in the city. <laughs> Meredith, um, thank you so much for all your recommendations. You're welcome. ALA Job List is the award-winning source for jobs in library science and technology. If you're looking for a new job or an employer who wants to advertise a job opening, Job List has you covered. Job seekers can refine and filter searches by position type, employer, or location, post resumes, and automate alerts to never miss a posting. Employers can rest easy knowing that ALA reaches the engaged professionals that they want to hire. It also simplifies recruiting by offering flat rate pricing, discounted multi-ad packages, and enhanced postings for increased visibility. ALA Job List. It's where job seekers and employers get results. Visit joblist.ala.org for more information or to begin your search today. Get on the list. When most people think of Washington, D.C., they think of politics. Me, I think of music. D.C. has a rich musical history, especially when it comes to punk rock. D.C. birthed some of the most influential punk bands ever. Minor Threat, Bad Brains, Scream, Fugazi, and many more. Washington, D.C. Public Library has been archiving the district's rich punk history in the D.C. Punk Archive. I spoke with DCPL librarian Maggie Gilmore and Bobby Doherty, manager of DCPL's Northwest One branch, to learn more about the archive and to get their picks for the best places to see live music in DC during annual. Um, can you tell tell me tell our listeners a bit more about uh, the punk rock archive that, that you guys have going on? Sure. So um, the punk the DC punk archive is what it's called, and it's really a collecting project and a programming project that is a part of our Washingtoniana local history room. So it isn't, it, it, it's separate in, it has its own sort of identity, but it really is just part of a larger local music um, collecting and programming initiative that has been going on for quite a few years. So we started the project uh, 2014, I think. I'm probably gonna get some facts wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> um, it's been a while and a lot has happened. Um, and we started it out of the MLK uh, Central Library, which is currently closed for modernization, unfortunately, for this ALA. It's going to be amazing when it reopens. Um, but the project was sort of to help fill in some gaps in our local history, Washingtoniana room, around music. We just weren't telling the story of 
music um, in D.C. very well, and there is a really rich, exciting history and current, present moment um, mm-hmm. as it relates to in our city. So, and that's for punk, for go-go, for jazz, for a lot of different genres. Um, but because of our own interests, really, as well as our own connections to the music community, we kind of started with punk because we knew that would make a big splash, and it did. Awesome. And what's, what type of, um, of, of materials are you collecting for the archive? Uh, it ranges widely. Uh, we have really, we've put, we started by putting a call out to the community um, to say we are doing this project and we are open to donations of your materials. That's another reason that we focused on the punk community because there has been a lot of archiving happening on the individual level um, for the past 30, 40 years. And so we knew of particular individuals that had collections in basements or in shoeboxes that were um, ready for preservation. (laughs) So um, we did, in the first couple of years, get a lot of donations. And it ranges in the, the materials that we have from flyers and zines to t-shirts, uh, we have a large sheet that a band wrote their name on as a backdrop for a show one time. Um, we do have albums of many different formats, you know, we have CDs, tapes, um, we have vinyl. We purchased some mm-hmm. albums as well to kind of flush out the collection so that we have a bit of a listening archive as well if people want to come and uh, sit down with our record player. Mm-hmm. People coming to to D.C., I mean, most of the uh, the librarians and library workers, um, we're going to be busy. But I know, at least speaking for myself, we, t- we try to find time to to get out and experience the city. A lot of us, we're going to see, some, we're going to try to see some music while we're there. Um, can you recommend? What's where do you go to? What's what are your go to places to see the best live music in D.C.? Well, considering the location of the convention center, um, if people are interested in Going to a local park and hearing some music outside as we get into the thick of ALA on Thursday, June 20th, the downtown D.C. Business Improvement District does a live concert series in Franklin Park. And on this particular Thursday, the 20th, a band called TK Echo are playing at noon. And this band features members of you and not you and protect you and um, some well-versed DC musicians. Yeah. Well-known within DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be a good one. Awesome. On, on Friday, there is um, a really popular series that's jazz, free jazz in the Sculpture Garden at the National Gallery of Art. Um, and that is, it's the National Gallery of Art, right? Mm-hmm. Not the first one. Yeah. There's a lot of Sculpture Garden. <laughs> So that is really, really popular to picnic, to to meet people up, to just sort of people watch um, after something like a full day of conferences. I would imagine that um, it could be a really great thing for people to do, and that's on Fridays from like 5 to 8, I believe. And you can bring your own beverages, adult or otherwise, to that one. Um, That same night, later in the evening, it would be a great opportunity to visit the 8th Street Corridor. Um, 8th Street is home to a lot of businesses, uh, restaurants, venues, 
And one in particular is the pie shop, which is associated with dangerously delicious pies. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a food truck as well. You can get savory and sweet pies at this location. Um, And then upstairs they have a music venue, which just opened in the last year. It's really nice, full bar, nice big stage that's elevated. So if you're relatively vertical challenge, vertically challenged like I am, you can still see the music. Um, and Friday, June 21st, there's an all-locals show, Forgetter, OG Lullabies, and Peary Soul. Um, and also in that same neighborhood by the pie shop, along the 8th Street Corridor. This is in Northeast D.C. Remember, we are in quadrants in D.C., so the uh, Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, and Southwest are critical. Critical to your address input mm. <laughs> to getting to the right location. I had no um, idea, so I'm glad you told me that. <laughs> there is a local bookshop called Solid State Books, um, just a few blocks away from the pie shop. And this is one of actually many locally owned bookstores that have opened in D.C. in the last few years. Uh, Solid State, there's a, a little bar. You can, you know, sit and read a book and have a coffee. It's really a nice um, environment. And we, the D.C. Public Library, are actually hosting a go-go book club there at Solid State Books. If anyone is in town early, on Tuesday, June 18th is when we will be discussing a book titled The Beat, Go-Go Music of Washington, D.C. by Kip Lornell and Charles Stevenson. So this is uh, very exciting to have a partnership with Solid State Books. Um, so we're looking forward to that event. Yeah, yeah. Go-Go Music is something that uh, we also collect actively around. We have the Chuck Brown Go-Go Music Archive and the city council in the district is in the process, if not has already passed legislation relating to what is it, relating to sort of codifying the importance of it's like the the official music of DC or something like that. Something like oh, that. Okay. I, I should really or if I talk about it, but um, it just happened. It just happened this uh, week, like last week. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's definitely something that's in the news a lot. If anybody's interested in sort of learning more about go-go music, it can't make the book club. Um, they can follow a hashtag that's called Don't Mute DC. It's just hashtag Don't Mute DC. And they can sort of see um, through there what's going on with relation to um, gentrification and noise complaints and music. And there's sort of a lot of discussion about what's going on in the city and, and the specific genre of music. There have been some incredible sort of pop-up go-go um, concerts at the Reef Center, which is at 14th and U Street, which is a really amazing place to go out and find music of all genres, house music, techno, hip-hop, go-go, punk. There's an unlimited amount of places to see music um, right around there. So if you follow the hashtag DontMuteDC, you can see if maybe all of a sudden there will be a concert that we don't even know about yet that might be happening um, around there. Um, There's also a website, longlivegogo.org, which is another way to sort of see what's going on um, within the go-go movement right now in D.C. Is there any other place for someone coming to D.C., maybe for the first time or doesn't get to D.C., some off-the-beaten-path, hidden little gems that that you would recommend people check out? Sure. Um, I think if you are willing to travel a little bit or perhaps you might be staying in you know, the, on the border of Maryland and D.C., 
there's a venue called Rhizome, which is a house um, in Tacoma, D.C., right by the Tacoma Park Metro stop. It's uh, just a five-minute walk from that metro stop on the red line. And it is a great space to see creative and experimental music. This weekend of ALA, there's a, um, a pedal steel guitarist named Susan Alcorn who will be there. Amazing. Um, she's absolutely amazing. And uh, there's actually an event basically every night, if not two events in the same <laughs> evening um, at Rhizome. And they tend to be donation-based or, you know, re- relatively affordable. Um, and then there's also, there's a place called Dwell that is also back in that 8th Street corridor in Northeast in the Trinidad neighborhood. Uh, that's a great place to see local bands who might even just be getting started on the scene. Um, a very supportive community there. They have a swing in the middle of the They room. do have a swing yeah. in the middle of the room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then um, I would say if you're going up, um, well, we didn't mention it. It's not really off the beaten path, but our favorite venue in the city <laughs> is Black Cat, which is a place to see great punk music. Um, and that's on 14th thing you, but if you want to also go to, um, and if you want to play pinball, that's a good place to go as well. Um, if you want to see punk, um, a little bit more off the beaten path, you can go to a restaurant that's called Slash Run. Um, and Slash Run is up. It's not really super close to any metro, um, but it's not very far from bus lines. It's, um, near a really cool non-music related space called the Pre- President Lincoln's Cottage, which is a cool place to visit. But, um, Slash Run is a a burger joint and has usually a lot of great touring garage and punk bands as well as up and coming new bands playing their first or second show. And occasionally they have a uh, free karaoke. So that can be fun too. Bobby and Maggie, thank you so much. This is, this has been great. And I, and also, um, uh, for, for, before, before we, before I leave you, uh, for our listeners who might want to see the, um, the DC punk archive, what, um, what should they do? How, how can, how can they, um, check the archive out? You can start by visiting dclibrary.org slash punk, or you can visit dclibrary.org slash gogo to learn more about each of those collecting projects. Um, And you can also take a look at some of our digitized material through Dig DC. Uh, We do have a collection of zines. We have flyers, some some good stuff that's already online. Um, And... Through those websites, you'll be able to find information about making an appointment to visit the Punk and the GoGo archives. That wraps another episode of the Dewey Decibel Podcast. I hope I got you ready for all the DC action coming up next week. I know I'm ready. Join us next month for the broadcast of our live episode that's being taped at annual featuring Jacqueline Woodson, Jason Reynolds, Akua Holmes, Angie Thomas, and Christopher Myers. If you can join us in D.C. for the taping, please, please be there. But if not, you'll hear it all here in July. Until then, I'm Phil Moorhart, Senior Editor of American Libraries, and this is the Dewey Decibel Podcast.